On this week's episode, we fill out our ofrenda with Coco. Do you need more tamales? After the final death, is there a final, final death? And is Disney the bad guy? Find out now you're listening to the Dia de los Muertos 2020 episode of 24 Flames Per Second. <laughs> todo bien, todo bien. Bienvenidos a 24 Flames per second, everybody. Welcome to the podcast that roasts the films we love the most. As always, I'm your host, Robert Spiewak, everybody, and welcome to our uh, end of horror season Halloween Dia de los Muertos Spectacular this week, everybody. We're talking about Coco, um, Disney Pixar film from a few years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, this was uh, this has been on our list for a while. And figured what better year than this year to, to get it in the rotation. Um, so, uh, but yeah, everybody, welcome to the show. And uh, we're going to dive right in. And um, But before we do that, we're going to dive right in. But first... Uh, over on our Patreon, um, we got a bunch of extra, a bunch of goodies out, um, for Halloween, for the horror month, October. Um, and we got another drink along coming up soon for November, um, which I don't know about you all, but I'm going to need one for these holidays this year, um, or for just your casual weekend. Uh, but yeah, head over to patreon.com slash 24 flames pod. You can get all that good stuff, um, and stay up to date with us and get episodes early. A whole bunch of great stuff that happens over there. Um, and so, yeah, I encourage everybody to go check that out. Um, and, uh, yeah, everybody, all that, um, being said, I think we're going to dive into, um, the episode this week, um, starting with the Imelda Rivera to my Ernesto de la Cruz, Casey (laughs) Rom. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It's good. I, uh, I really liked being Imelda. She's one of my favorite characters in this movie, so I was happy about that. Nice. Um, did you watch the movie this week? I did. I actually watched it for the first time. So whoa! Thanks for, thanks for putting it on my radar. <laughs> Yay! Um, well, first timer. Uh, what do you know about it? Um, so I'm giving you all dog facts on this one because okay. I, love I love it. Dante. I also have a Mexican dog breed, um, and I just. I loved the character and there's actually kind of a lot of background behind uh, Dante as a, I guess, character. It's hard to call something that doesn't talk a character, but I think he is. Um, So it's a Sholo dog, which is short Mm -hmm. for Sholo eats Quintle, which is really long. Yeah. Uh, It's the national dog of Mexico. um, And it's the representative on earth of the Aztec god Xolotl. Um, who was the god of fire and lightning. And then Itzquitle literally means dog in Aztec. So Jolo dog is actually like a legit translation. It's Um, just fire and lightning dog. Yep. (laughs) Um, They often have missing teeth because of a genetic uh, disorder. So the tongue hanging out is actually like a pretty common feature of these dogs. Okay. Um, What about wrapping all the way around its head like a scarf? I mean, I don't know about that. That might be a Disney, <laughs> a Disneyfied version. Um, they think that Sholos could be as old as three thousand five hundred years, based on archaeological wow. evidence in Aztec tombs. Um, 
And my probably my favorite little fun fact is that uh, Mexican artist Diego Rivera, um, who was the mm-hmm. husband of Frida Kahlo, had a Sholo dog, and she often would paint uh, Sholo dogs into her paintings and helped repopularize the breed when it was kind of dying out. Mm-hmm. Um, because people decided they didn't like hairless dogs for a little while. Yeah. And then finally, it's likely uh, that the name Dante comes from the Italian poet Dante Alighieri, who wrote the Divine right. Comedy about traveling through the afterlife. So I, I think that okay. there's yeah. a lot more to that character than the average person might know. It's not just a random street dog. No. Everybody, give him a break. <laughs> um, well, that's great. I didn't know any of that. Um, yeah. Other than Jolos are good. Yes. Um, I like, I like All dogs, dogs are good dogs. <laughs> All dogs are good dogs. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's great stuff. Um, while well, that dog stuff being known, let's, uh, let's get into our panels this week. Everybody, starting with the roasters. Um, first up, we've got educator and filmmaker. You can find her on Instagram at Sam Fermi, the Slammin' Salmon, Sammy Furman. Hello. Um, hello. How's it going? It's going great. Very happy right. to be here. Yeah, you have a dog that is named Taco. I do have a little dog named Taco. He's like four months old now, getting a little mm-hmm. chubby. Oh my gosh. Well, I only mention because that's, you know, that's a Mexican dog <laughs> with a name like Taco. Um, anyways, it's great to have you on the show. Um, also roasting this week, actor and designer. You can find him on Instagram, on social media in general, at Akea Day. Uh, Quasi Phillips. Hello, hello. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, I recently got a weighted blanket, so life is oh my really God. good right now. Are you Can under it right now? Smuggled? Oh, you know it. My, <laughs> it feels so nice. Yeah. This is Sweet. this is great. I also I also have a dog named Leo. This is a fun dogs and cats episode. Love it. <laughs> yes, we've all got. I forget what the name in the movie was for him in the afterlife, but. Um, We've all got a kind of a little avatar. Um, <clears throat> anyways, great to have you here on this one. Um, and on the defense this week, theater educator, uh, Disney fan, and Zac Efron expert. You can find her on social media at Board Board Games, Alex Garamoni. Hello. My oh, well, Alabrihe is not a dog. Mine Alibri is it. Hey, that's cat. what it was. Yeah. Yes. And she's cross eyed as hell in this world, so I'd love to see her in the next one. I'm sure. <laughs> magical. She'll light up just like Dante. <laughs> um, well, uh, well, very good. It's great to have you here on the defense this week. Um, and, uh, and you know how it goes. We start with movie in a minute. Um, and so let's get a full plot synopsis of Coco, spoilers Pardon. and all. And we'll, uh, we'll give you 60 seconds and a three count, and then you're off. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, here we go in three, two, one, go. Our story follows 12-year-old Miguel Rivera, uh, a young boy growing up in a small town in Mexico who wants to pursue music despite a decades and generation-long ban on it in his family due to his great-grandmother's father leaving their family when she was quite young. So the whole family hates music because of this, but Miguel's dream is to play in the Plaza on Dia de los Muertos. His family discovers his plan and breaks his uh, makeshift guitar, and he runs into the square hoping to be able to play in the concert anyway, but he needs a guitar. Unable to find one, he breaks 
breaks into a crypt and steals the one of uh, Ernesto de la Cruz, this local hero and musician. And when he steals it on a day when you're supposed to give to the dead, he is transported into the spirit realm where he discovers his family who won't send him back with their blessing unless he agrees to give up music. He refuses and discovers that he is related to Ernesto de la Cruz, tries to hunt him down with the help of this bony man named Hector who asks that he places him on the ofrenda so he can be remembered. Um, however, he f- discovers big twist. Ernesto is not his grandpa, but Hector is. And you're him. out of time. <gasps> so close. But you got to the reveal, and that's a I good did. reveal. Yeah, um, yeah. It turns out Hector is his great great grandfather. Um, and so now there's kind of a uh, kind of a race to sunrise to um, get Hector on the friend, as you mentioned. Um, there's a, a little bit of. Um, photo football with getting it back from Ernesto de la Cruz. Um, and so Pepita rescues them. The family forgives everybody, Hector and uh, Miguel. And then there's this big reveal at his sunrise, spect- sun- yeah, sunrise spectacular celebration, sunrise celebration. I forget which alliteration it was. Um, but um, there's a big reveal um, where everybody in the whole place sees that Ernesto de la Cruz actually poisoned Hector and killed him and stole his songs. Um, and so he gets um, thrown, launched into another bell. Um, he gets kind of a, se- a nice second death. Um, but uh, yeah, he's out of the picture. Um, Miguel gets his family's blessing after um, reuniting Imelda and Hector and goes back. Um, and he has to race to get Coco to remember her father, so that he doesn't disappear forever, have a final death. Um, and so he plays Remember Me, and she remembers him, and tells the whole story about her father, and has the rest of the photo with Hector on it, so they can put it on the ofrenda. And then the whole family can visit each other again forever, you know, on uh, Dia de los Muertos. And that's the end of the movie. Um, and so, yeah, everybody, uh, that is that's Coco. And we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get your opening statements. Alex, why you are here defending Coco, everybody. And so we will be right back. And we are back, everybody. Welcome back to our Coco Dia de los Muertos episode for 2020 season four this year. Uh, right before the, uh, the break, Alex... Um, didn't quite get her photo up on the ofrenda for a movie in a minute. So um, let's get your opening statements. Alex, uh, why are you here defending Coco? I love this movie and think it's really beautiful. Um, When I was a kid growing up, my mom used to take me to these Dia de los Muertos cultural festivals. There was one at the Botanic Gardens in Denver that was just so gorgeous and so cool. And it was like a very important Uh, thing that we would do together and so when they announced they were doing a movie about it I was already excited because visually I knew it was going to be awesome Um, and it really exceeded my expectations in terms of the visuals I thought the music and the way that it was used in the film was super amazing and adds so much to the story and I think that there is something really beautiful about the story being so much wound up in family and you know the weight of of generational obligations versus doing what you want to do with your life. And I think that that was really cool that they chose to explore that in this film, especially with such a young hero like Miguel. Um, So I was a big fan of this, uh, just the whole package visually. I was delighted audioly 
I don't know the word. My um, ears were delighted. Yes. yes. <laughs> and, audio, uh, audio, audio Lee works. Audio Lee was delighted. Lee. Just like when I listen to this podcast, audio Lee delighted. Wow. Um, and it, it just, it delights me. I'm delighted. You heard it here, folks. We're as good as Coco. Um, okay. So roasters. Uh, I think let's start with kind of the plot um, of the movie, since that's kind of the core. We can get to characters after that. But um, who would like to go first? I know we got some rules with how the afterlife works. Um, we've got him getting to the afterlife in the first place. Who would like to jump in? Yeah, I just feel like there's some... I feel like since Frozen, Disney and Pixar have found a nice, neat narrative a narrative structure that they're kind of pounding into our into the ground a little bit, into the viewer's face. And that namely comes from these, these plot twists about who you think is good and who you think is bad. That plays a lot in this movie. And you kind of see it coming a mile away, which I, I was kind of a little bit like, okay, well, this seems clearly where I know where this is going. Okay. Um, hmm. it's, it's too, it's too nice. No one's really saying anything. There's no real pronouns being used. So you kind of get a sense of you, you, you know where this plot is kind of going. And it just feels like, Especially with this story, it it's it it is it can be more engaging when you're telling a story of this um, uh, when you're speaking to Mexican culture and, and telling a story like this. And I feel like it hits a lot of what you kind of have like expectations of what you would think. Yes, this is gonna be a, a movie about Mexican heritage, so we're gonna hit this point and this point and this point. And it's a lot of stereotypical things that come to the front rather than things that kind of dive deeper into uh, what the culture is like. It's, and, and a lot of the uh, plot is, or characters are there to explain something or to allow for one nice little neat jump to the next plot point. Like there's a scene where he, he snuck into the rehearsal space with uh, Frida Coelho and all of a sudden one of the guys was like, well, if you want to see Ernesto de la Cruz, you can win this one competition. I'll take you directly to him. Huh? Huh? <laughs> it's just like, okay, well, all right, then let's just keep riding this train, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alex. I think in response to that, um, I would say that this story in ways while it does have that kind of twist ending of the the who you thought was good is bad and who you thought was whatever is great and i think that while it does have that element in it i think that this movie also has a lot more depth and a lot more going on than just the twist of the villain being the big reveal i think in this film it's less contingent on that and it's more about the journey of Miguel to to be understood by his family both living and dead in terms of I think there's this really telling moment with uh, Imelda where he tells her you had your life let me live mine and he has this moment where she you know gets to hear that and hears the oh man like he is a person who has been stuck under the rules that I set in place all these years ago and all this the, the pressures of that, I think, is more what the story should be about rather than who the bad guy is or defeating the big bad in this case. Um, so I think that 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 way it's much more unique than in other Disney movies. Um, regarding kind of the, the, the quick ways that they're jumping through the plot, I think that this movie in a big way was super educational for a lot of kids who were learning about Dia de los Muertos or about... Mexican culture and Mexican heritage um, in ways that I think was important that we were able to engage with the audience quickly and also give the kids a little bit of context and background. But there was so much to cover that I think that they 
I think that they paced it pretty well. There's very few moments in this film where I feel bored or like, okay, when's the next scene? I I think it really does a bang up job of fitting so much content and so much context into the space of the film itself. Hmm. Yeah, Quasi. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of whining Miguel for a little bit there. Not necessarily lessons <laughs> learned. It's mostly just like, man, I want to go find my dad. And it's like less of... Um, it's like, or great grandfather. Uh, it's it's less of that. You in especially in the moments where he doesn't like. You don't get it. You're going to die if you don't go back. And he's just like, no, yeah, I'm gonna go find the guitar man. And it just I don't know. It feels like a lot of the time I was like, dude, you're not. I don't. I don't really like you right now. <laughs> and also to the point of like uh, brushing over uh, Mexican culture, I think that that's a key. I think that yes, you're in a movie where. You're gonna have to hit kind of the the high notes. You're not gonna be able to get de- really deep into um, the the movie. But there are other movies like uh, the Book of Life, or like they've played. They actually are able to tell these stories, but also show a lot more about what that what the world is like. And in this one, I feel like they just hit the hit the notes that are at the at the surface of what you kind of expect. And I think that that's I think that speaks a little bit to Disney itself being at this moment where they're yes they're trying to tell stories from different cultures but it also in a way kind of feels like they're just like picking one they're going to take one their uh, one region and we're going to play the notes that you we want you to see yep uh mexico obviously dealos muertos we're going to put in some uh border jokes we're going to put in some um some day of the dead stuff on moana we're going to put in some tattoos and stuff moving on mulan fighting moving on and it's kind of like they're picking these picking up just to like satisfy us a little bit rather than like being able to engage in further into those cultures in different things that you would expect from an audience. Yeah. Alex. I will push back on the Miguel hate. (laughs) (laughs) I will remind you, he is a 12 year old boy and I don't know how many 12 year old boys you hang out with, but as a teacher, I can assure you a lot of the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of the worst. However, (laughs) so I think, however, in spite of those things, I think that he is also very, very emotional. And I love that that is the model that they went with, that we took a boy who is pursuing the arts and who wants to become an, an artist and a singer and a musician instead of using brute force or strength to achieve his goals he has this really charming journey of of wanting to pursue something and being very emotional he cries at multiple points I just thought that was so beautiful to have this as sort of a cornerstone of, of an example for young boys that there is something beautiful about being an artist and being a creator uh additionally I think that I would think it would be beautiful to see someone so passionate at such a young age that he's really thinking about the context of his life, because that's a life sentence. If he takes that pedal and he never gets to play music again, he, he can't change that. He can't go back on that. So I think that there is something beautiful there in him needing to stay and fight as long as he can to get his dream before returning back to his life. And I think that that is is something noble and worth seeing. I and in res- oh, oh, sorry. sorry. Go for it. I was just going to say that I'd rather 
that movies like this or like Moana, you know, I'd rather they exist than that they didn't, you know, because growing up, we didn't have a movie like this. We had maybe like the old Disney, like three Caballeros and that one <laughs> really. <laughs> uh, so oh, I, I'd rather this model exist. Yes, I agree. I think they should exist, but I think that there are other ways to, there are more ways to tell the story. Like, look what they did with Black Panther. They took a story about an African nation and they played nothing, they played in no way to the expectation of what you, what people in the West and other parts of the world think of what Africa is. I think that that is something, example that you can set in these type of stories. Um, and I think Sammy and I both kind of agreed about the fact that this family has held on to this hate of music for five generations that makes no <laughs> sense. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and like not even just the five generations, but there are literally people who married into this family <laughs> and were just totally okay giving up music for the rest of their life and shaming this 12-year-old little, little boy for being like interested in the music. Like I find it really hard to believe that some of those people aren't also sneaking off to listen to music or something. Um, and they just it's just kind of crazy to me how quickly they seem to like or not even quickly, but I like how deeply they seem to buy into this idea that they like don't need music in their life. They're totally fine without it and just like totally cast it off. Yeah, just, oh, you want me to give up music and make shoes forever? Done. Let's do this. Fucking love shoes. Love shoes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Alex. So I'm not, I'm not from Mexico, but I am from a large Italian family. And <laughs> it's pretty much the same. It's yeah, no, <laughs> but we, you know, there's all the stereotypes and things that exist about that too. And one of the things that does exist in my family tree right now is a long-term blood feud between two of my relatives. And there's a whole section of the family tree that it's like, Hey, you can't talk about these people. You can't talk with these people, you know, all the, all this sort of thing. And Although I was not even born when all this stuff went down that caused the feud and the rift, I would never do something that would make my, you know, family member feel so uncomfortable and put them in such a bad position because of how much that I care and love for them. And I think that that is the closest I can get to empathizing with what Miguel's family does in this movie of the seeing something has hurt someone so deeply you would never knowingly and wantingly bring that into the life and to the home if you know how badly it will hurt them and I think that that is something that is is a good enough explanation for me you know like I think that his parents or his uh his grandma this is obviously a very matriarchal family and because of his grandma and of uh, Coco as well, I think that it shows how much value the whole family has for the older generations and for the values that they put in place. And I think that that is what um, they're trying to do is to demonstrate that reverence that this younger generation will have for the older one. Hmm. But I think that that kind of contradicts the way that uh, Coco responded at the end, because it was obvious that she loved music. And if she had a daughter that uh, if she had a daughter, I feel like even with her mother's hurt, she still had that love for the music. She kept the dad's letters. She kept him in, as part of um, her cherished memories. And I feel like if she, if that's the case, then why would her daughter 
not keep that in mind? Why would why wouldn't she respect that? For, I mean, I feel like if um, I forgot the name of um, her, uh, Hector's wife. Um, oh, Imelda. Imelda, right. If Imel- yeah. Imelda passes away, Coco, I'm sure, would have been like, yes, this was a really hard thing for my mother, but I've kept these memories for so... Like, why wouldn't that be part of the heritage she passes on to her family? Why would she then just allow her daughter to then continue this heritage on for the rest of the generations? That doesn't really make sense. Alex? I think, I think maybe it took Coco longer than we get to see to get over that. Because I think that it would be hard to be reminded of losing your father especially when she was so young I think that it would be very painful for her and I think that when uh Miguel plays for her you see kind of the both sides of that she is very joyful that she hears her father's song played as it should have been played before but at the same time it was probably really hard which explains why she's crying and so emotional too um Especially because they probably, as she grew up and Ernesto de la Cruz became more and more famous, she heard this thing that was her lullaby from her father to her bastardized severely for years and years and years and years. And it's still popular and being sung today. So it it must have been a challenge to, to let your heart be open to that music again. And so I think that I don't think necessarily what grandma did was right, but it was maybe the kindest thing she thought to do to spare her mother's feelings. And that probably stemmed from, I, you know, this is just making assumptions at this point, but years of growing up and seeing the pain that music had cost her. So I, I think that all the characters really needed to grow and learn and their journey is so tied in Miguel and his journey actually happening and being successful and then showing the family that there is another way. Because when he started playing, his father, you know, held his own mother back and was like, no, let him do this. Let him have this moment. And I think that that's really cool that such a young character became such a catalyst for change in his family dynamic. And you can see by the end of the movie the way that that change had positively positively impacted the rest of the family. Um, first of all, what an incredible insight you have into Coco. <laughs> 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 I, am, I am spellbound by <laughs> by the story you're weaving. Um, I feel like that would have been great for us to see. Wouldn't that have been great for us to know? But you you don't get any of that. You just you have to you have to make. I mean, you 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 have incredible insight on that, and and like kind of like the character driven uh, way that people would respond to this. But I feel like that's lost on a general audience. And you um in in so a lot of ways, like showcasing that relationship dynamic, or showcasing maybe. A younger, a, a younger version of Coco, a little bit younger version of Coco, to have to kind of tell that hurt and tell that story would have been a really great way to incorporate more of that um, that narrative into the into the uh, movie. But you lose that a little bit with you just have to kind of make again make that assumption that like um, Abuel, abuelita had to kind of just take over. And also, can she have a real name and not just grandma? Like, what's going on with that? No, <laughs> no, no not, real name. Not, Got it. That's not how it works. Got it. Sorry. <laughs> um, okay, let's name. see. We just none of us knew it's it's Elena. <laughs> <laughs> um. So let me see here. Um. The other thing I feel like we've talked a lot about the family. Um. And uh, let's see. I know one of the questions we had. I think it was Sammy's note was that what the how the rules of you know 
going in between the afterworld and the or the afterlife and the real world kind of work, including this, um, you know, gotta gotta get back by sunrise or be a bone person. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I think one of the things like I wonder is like, had he not decided to play the instrument right after getting like sent back to uh the land of the living or whatever would he have just like died later like no chance to return if he played music on a day that wasn't the day of the dead and it just like i i don't understand why he can just like go back and forth if he's just not quite listening could he then just like anytime he wanted to see his family just pop back to play music and then get sent back you know what i mean does that make sense mm-hmm. what i'm saying yeah alex i think what they were saying is that uh, to to be able to cross between... So the reason that he initially crossed was because on the Day of the Dead, which is a day you're supposed to give to the spirits, he took from the spirits by taking the guitar. And that was what initially had sent him back. And the, the pedal that he was given that first time, that was like, here's the deal, you you can return, but you must never play music again. He picks it up. He picks up the guitar and immediately gets transported back into the office. Uh, I think that if we, if it wasn't on the day of the dead, I'm not sure we can uh, assume what would happen. Maybe he would just drop dead, but that's a little (laughs) bit dark. Disney Pixar. (laughs) I, in my brain, it was like, if he tried to like strum the guitar, he wouldn't just be physically able to do it or something like that. But I, I think I get what you're getting at in terms of, oh, it seems a little bit nuanced of blah, 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 the curse. But then again, he wouldn't have been in the in the uh, the realm of the dead anyway, if it weren't for being Dia de los Muertos. So I'm, I'm also curious, but I don't necessarily think that that makes it less strong of a story. Um, I think that it if he had been given the flower and then went back and was able to play music, you know, and that's the story ends there. I don't think it would have been as, as strong of a, a, or didn't play music. It wouldn't be as strong of a story. It wouldn't go anywhere from there. So I think it was, uh, the curse itself or whatever we're calling it, (laughs) uh, the spell or whatever you want to say, I think was ultimately meant to, help guide him on this lesson and on this journey. And I think that it was supposed to be the catalyst to getting that done. Not maybe necessarily the most integral, unbreakable law of bone people, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And then so just going off that, like this is like slightly divergent from the curse itself, but the fact that Miguel decides to steal this very well-known, very, like, unique and noticeable guitar that he wants to go play in front of a bunch of people who revere the person who owned this guitar. Like, there's a huge flaw in logic there. Like, did he not think that anyone would stop him and be like, where did you get that guitar? Like, he <laughs> he was never going to reach his goal with that guitar. Like, he played well. We all know that. But I don't think he played well enough that had he gone on the stage with that guitar people would have been like, hey, I think that's Dela Cruz's guitar, but you know what? He played it so well, I don't care that he probably stole that, you know? Like, there's a big flaw in trying to take that particular guitar. Yeah. Alex? I bring us back to the fact that he is 12 years old and most 12-year-old boys <laughs> I've met are kind of dumbasses. Whoa. Um, <laughs> listen, I'll say it. 12-year-olds, the gauntlet's been thrown. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
She wants to. Um, she thinks you're dumbasses, and she wants to fight. <laughs> I guess. I guess in his mind, saying "I am Ernesto de la Cruz's grandson" would have been enough for him, right? Because at that point, he thought he was hmm. Ernesto's grandson because that was when okay. he had found the photo on the ofrenda, and he was like, "We're the we're the offspring of Ernesto," and blah blah blah, and that's you know initially what prompted him running away to the plaza, and I think right. that he. Yeah, like maybe he he wouldn't have been successful if if he had been able to accomplish it. But it once again, it's part of that catalyst. It's part of that. Uh, what is it? It's uh, it's Chekhov's gun. It, it has to happen. Right, it has to right. be involved. We see this amazing guitar. It has to be part of our story. Okay, um, Casey. Yeah, so we've talked a lot about how Miguel is a child, and and I think that as most Disney Pixar movies are meant for families. I would love to hear how everyone thinks this functions as a family film, because mm. uh, one thing I thought was kind of interesting is this is the first Disney movie to show overt on-screen deaths of two major characters. Right. That is interesting. Um, who wants to go first? Kwesi unmuted. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if the violence is... It's not even really that violent. I mean, <laughs> it's 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 pretty cartoonish. So I feel like that that kind of saves in terms of the death and and also the the passing on to the final death. I think was the a moment of more like peace rather than you know. I, I feel like more people would have an issue with the guy drinking afterwards, <laughs> or like making a joke, making like a pretty serious like out, outright joke about um uh, during the song the final song that he sings to Cheech. So I feel like like that would be more where I feel confrontation with it. But then also what happens next? Like, is there going to be another one where they go to the final, final death? Like, was it, how many layers of inception <laughs> are we doing in, in this world? And, and, and also, and I feel like, uh, uh, yeah, there was, that was for me another point. I was like, oh, they're just, we're just going to keep going in this uh, level of consciousness uh, throughout, throughout this world. I felt like that was a bit, that was a bit odd for me in that scene. But mm-hmm. um, in terms of a family movie, I don't know what I don't know what you guys think. Um, I thought I think it it functions in in the way a little bit. I think that there's um, more. I think it it feels like there's more of like, oh, that's what happens in their culture type of thing to it for for families rather than like a more of acceptance and understanding of what that uh, what Mexican culture is like. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex, uh, I think that this movie, you know, it's from Disney Pixar who tend to skew towards the more have these very much darker or serious or high stakes scenes. So I think that this has sort of fulfilled that, that expectation. Like if you think about things like inside out, it's got, you know, the bing bong scene that everybody was so (laughs) beat up about or up in the first several minutes, you see a whole lifetime unfold and then you see someone lose their life partner. And I think that it sets the stakes high, which is what, you know, you've come to expect from them. And I think that it does so in a really positive way. I think that it shows, you know, there are consequences to our actions, whether they be in life or in death or whatever you want to say. And and uh, I think historically, I was just teaching a lesson about Dia de los Muertos. And we were talking about, um, it came from this Aztec belief that 
you had this life and then the next life would be a journey to get to the final resting place. And so if that holds true, you know, maybe this this afterlife world is sort of that space in between the two spaces and, and you're not sure what comes next or what goes after that for those who are not on the ofrendas anymore. But I think that it 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 does what Dia de los Muertos is supposed to do, which is to remind people that death is not something to be afraid of or something dark and scary and and sad, but Dia de los Muertos is really colorful because it's a celebration and of the lives that people lived. And I think that this movie does such a great job of celebrating that. And even in that last scene when, you know, it's a year later and they see that Coco is on the ofrenda now and I'm crying my eyes out, but <laughs> there's so much joy in the family and they're all celebrating and all the spirits come over and celebrate too. And I think that that is, is really beautiful. Even very early in the film when Miguel first discovers he's a ghost and he's sitting in the graveyard and he's looking around and there's someone having their favorite snack or some grandparents being like, look how big she's getting. It just really warms my heart to see that. I think that it has a mature, you know, response to death, but I also think that it's something that both kids and teens and adults can engage with and not, not feel like they're being overly exposed to something, but not being patronized to either. Mm-hmm. Um, Sammy, any thoughts on the family film deal? Maybe. Maybe Taco's acting up. Who knows? There's no way to know. Um, anyways, everybody, we are going to go ahead and unmask. We've about reached that time. Um, and so, yeah, let's go around and we'll say how we really feel. Uh, Alex, we'll start with you. Yeah, I really do love this movie. I remember going to see it in theaters and just being so overwhelmed by how much I enjoyed looking at the the visuals and the audios and everything involved in it was really <laughs> beautiful to me. And I cry just as hard watching it now for the 10th time as I did that first time. I think it's a great movie and I think it's really nice for this time of year to see something like that and, and have, that kind of film on the brain and and uh, to see what a positive impact it left. Also, I don't know if anyone else knew this, but the kid who voiced Miguel, he was originally just the, the, the test actor, I guess, that they were using to pitch the film. Oh, and wow. there's this video of him um, when they're like, okay, can you say this line really excited? Like, like we just told you you're going to be Miguel in the real Coco because you are. And you see his little <laughs> face and he's just losing his, he's like, really, really, really? And just so excited. And I just, I think that this youthful energy that this boy brought to the role really just like sticks in my heart. And, and I really do like him a lot. Dumbass 12 year olds also <laughs> warm my heart. <laughs> uh, Sammy. Yes. Sorry. I am back. Did have a little puppy emergency, but Coco is one of my favorite films like i absolutely love this film um and it's just it's very beautiful and honestly i just have to say alex you did such a good job defending this film (laughs) i like had all these points written down to like just to argue and i just felt like you were just so passionately like (laughs) describing the film exactly how i feel about it and i was like 
it's just so beautiful to listen to. It's just such a great movie. I really, really love it. Um, I, it was very hard to find bad things to talk about this film. I just have to say, I love mm-hmm. this movie. Nice. Quasi. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I love this movie with every beat of my proud corazón. I love it so much. It's, it, I watched this movie in uh, Green Lake Park um, in like oh. their outdoor cinema thing. And yeah. when he sings Remember Me to Coco, everybody in the entire field was crying. You just hear, <laughs> everywhere. It's, 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 I think it's Pixar's most visually arresting film. It's, mm-hmm. it is so beautiful. And they hit, I just, you look at the scale, the scale of everything and what they're able to do with the setting and with the colors and the energy and they fill every scene with it. It's incredible. And Dia de los Muertos is my favorite holiday. I, I think even it's I, I don't I don't celebrate it, but I just am fascinated with that culture and the beauty of celebrating life in that way. And this movie captures that essence so, so well. Um, I'm not a fan of the dog. I don't know. It's, it's kind of stupid the whole you time. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> but, Fire and but, thunder dog, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm Pepita. I'm Pepita all the way. But um, <laughs> but I thought this story was, it, it, the characters were hilarious. And I, it was, it's very good. Yes. Uh, Casey. Uh, yeah. So as I said, this was my first time watching this movie. I'm not sure why. It just kind of like, the time passed when it came out and then I didn't have a reason to watch it for a while. Hmm. And I'm so glad that like nobody spoiled this movie for me in the last three years because (laughs) I just, it was such a journey to watch it. Like Quasi said, it's just beautiful in every shot. Like when they're in the cabin and, and Cheech has his final death and you're like looking out on the water and, like there's just every moment is a one perfect shot and the twist did take me a little bit by surprise. I kind of knew something was going to come, but I didn't know what it was going to be. And yeah, I just, I loved it. I will definitely watch it again. Probably not that long from now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I also, it'll surprise nobody. I also love this movie. Um, for a lot of reasons. Um, one, because it reminds me of my family. Because, like, I, I remember when it first came out, a lot there was, like, some talk of it kind of, like, using Mexican caricatures in it. And sometimes that kind of thing makes me really angry. Because, like, especially with a movie like this where, I don't know, I'm there's a handful of people in, um, in the Rivera family or, like, just what we see in the movie that like I'm related to that person. Like I, there's somebody on my dad's side of the family that fits that mold right. like, perfectly. Um, and I, and I, and that kind of thing, like, you know, you got the little guys with the big white mustaches and the big white cowboy hats walking around. Like those are certain, those are absolutely real like Mexican guys all over the place. And like, um, and that's one of the things that like, I love about it is it reminds me, it reminds me of my family. Um, and also, Alex, you mentioned that like people were learning about Dia de los Muertos, like watching this movie. I'm one of those people. Like we didn't grow up, ce- I didn't grow up celebrating it. Um, for I don't actually know really why. I don't. I have a suspicion that my dad's side of the family didn't really go like buck wild for it because they're pretty Catholic. But um, like I don't know. I learned. A, I learned every most of the things that I do know about it from watching this. And and I. I 
think it's cool how it's just like I don't know an optimistic picture of the afterlife that seems like I don't know not like it's it's not shitty like the Christian version of dying where it's like if you were the best you could have ever been heaven if not you burn forever like I don't know it just seems it's just like a nice version of the afterlife that's interesting and beautiful and I don't know this movie's great I was crying I, at the end every time. I, I think that this movie does a really great depiction of uh, grandmas who use their sandals as weapons. Dude, that's real say. too. That's the chancla. That's chancla. <laughs> that is real. Yeah, I mean, she gets it off her foot so fast and like it's getting, she hits everybody with it. <laughs> she like um, reloads it on her leg too, yeah. <laughs> her foot after she uses it. Um, but. Yeah, I mean the the family dynamics are super are really interesting. I don't know, I, this thing's so good. The music's so good. Like, I don't know. You'll see in my my notes when I post them on social media. Like everything is just like I love this. I love this. I love that. I love papita. I love tamales. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm glad we finally did do this one, even though it would put put the roasters through their paces. Um. And so, uh, yeah, everybody, uh, that's going to do it for our Coco episode here and for Horror Month on the show for 2020. Everybody, we had a ball. Um, we hope you did, too. And um, went out with a bang, a big, colorful bang with Coco. Um, and so, yeah, everybody, we're going to keep um, talking about all sorts of stuff on our extended play, which is our post show just for our Patreon supporters. So if you want in on that, head over to patreon.com slash 24flamespod. Uh, if you've got thoughts about Coco, please do email us at 24flamesper2nd. No, that's not the email. 24flamespod at gmail.com. Um, and tell us all about it. You can find us on social media at 24flamespod. Uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, go leave a rating, review, subscribe. There's more good stuff coming up as we get further into the holiday season. Um, including next month, we're doing uh, a kind of an interesting series um, of movies where it's like, we ask the we ask the pool of our people, what movies are you thankful that they exist, whether for good reasons or bad reasons? And so we're kind of doing this lead up to Thanksgiving y kind of I don't know. It, it's an interesting exercise. We'll see where it goes. Um But um uh, but yeah, and it's also a very varied mix. So tune in. Be, be sure to come back, subscribe, and tune in for that. Um and uh yeah, everybody. This episode of 24 Flames per second was produced and hosted by me, Robert Spiewak, is co-hosted by Casey Rom. Panels this week, the roasters were Sammy Furman and Quasi Phillips, and on the defense was Alex Garamoni. Our show music was produced and performed and composed by Rob Joins and Will Paulson, and our network and co-op Partyfish Media is uh, produced by Quasi Phillips, Will Paulson, and myself, everybody. Um, and so, yeah, as I mentioned, let me go look. I think I already know the answer in my head. Yes. Um, to start our Thanksgiving month, uh, we are kicking it off with Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, everybody. So come back for uh, for that next week. And, um, yeah, if we don't catch you on the extended play, we will catch you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Adios. Fish me. 
Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.